Welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. I'm here with Adrienne Boone. Would you like to introduce yourself? I would. So first, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited about our conversation that we're going to have. But I'm Adrienne. I host a podcast called The Boonie Breakdown. And our tagline is, you know, sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, we get a little ratchet sometimes, but we always break it down. And we just have pretty real, honest conversations about whatever I want. So... (laughs) the fun thing about having your podcast, but I am grateful for Carrie for discovering my podcast and asking me to come on hers. Yeah, you and I found each other on a Facebook group for female podcasters. So you told us a little bit about your show, but while you're at it, what what drove you to join a female podcasting Facebook group? What initially drove me was I wanted to get tips like people who've been doing the podcasting um, longer than I have like help navigating some things that I could just easily avoid by asking someone who's done it before me but then when I started kind of like researching more I realized like the podcasting game is really male like it's a lot of males <laughs> And so it was nice to have this collective of all female podcasters who some are just starting out like I was when I joined um, and then having people who say they get a million, they've had a million downloads, which is incredible. So I really joined it for that camaraderie and I guess for the sisterhood of it because people share their praises, they share when they're frustrated and so it's just really an awesome group. So I am happy that someone recommended it Yeah, to I don't me. even remember how I found it. I think I was just kind of just trolling for, yeah, for the sisterhood in some way. And uh, I was glad to find it as well because I have questions that I can ask people I know, but it's different. There's something about it that's different to ask it in a community and have, you know, you know, seven other people have the same question and, you know, a thousand people are going to have different answers for you. And yeah, I think it's really helpful. And it's been really cool, too, because we all know about like the big the big podcast in the game. And so it's been nice to kind of find some indie podcasts that I otherwise probably would have never found. And so I've met some really cool people in that group. And I would love to meet some of them in person one day. But <laughs> for right now, the virtual uh, the virtual meets will have to do. But it really is an awesome group. Discovery is a huge issue. Talk about the bubble, which we may talk about later. But <laughs> I, I would never have found your show. Like, I just, there's no algorithm in the world that would have recommended the Boonie Breakdown to me. So I'm incredibly glad to have been in that group and been exposed to your show because initially the way we first made contact, just so people who are listening know, uh, there was a post right after Charlottesville and they asked any of us to share any episodes that we all had made specifically about those issues about racism and white supremacy. And we both did. And I reached out to you after listening to your episode to thank you and to connect. And I'm wondering if you would be comfortable sharing a little bit about that episode of your show here. Sure. So um, 
my episode, I believe it's episode 25, was the episode that I addressed Charlottesville. And I'll be honest, initially, I wasn't going to do it. Um, and then I... I think I had a podcast scheduled for that day and the, uh, the person an interview and the person backed out or asked to schedule it. And so I'm like, ah, oh, it was another one that I, I, I think this was like the last episode of my season one. And so I'm like, that was it. That was all I had. I didn't have anything else. And so I was like, okay, you'll think of something. And it was just like, the more I watch TV, cause I think the day that it was actually happening I was very busy, so I was only getting, like, bits and pieces, and I was just like, this is completely absurd. But I wasn't shocked, but it was absurd. <laughs> and I think as the more I was, like, laying on the couch on Sunday, like, watching the news, I just couldn't, I could not believe that happened. It was just this weird place to be where I was still stunned, like, this is 2017, and we had Nazis and white supremacists uh, run, like, ram their car into a crowd of people and kill someone, which, what? <laughs> this is 2017. And then at the same time, I'm like, but this is America. And so I'm not shocked. And I just got this, I think it was kind of a genius <laughs> idea, is that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want the whole entire episode. I was like, that's going to be it. Yeah. This is America. Like, this is it. And we, we have to stop hiding or pretending that we don't have this you know, racial tension that's been built up from, you know, centuries of history in this country that's just slowly, I don't know, I don't feel like it ever went away, but I do feel like just things that have happened in the last year on the political scene, uh, it was kind of like a dog whistle and it woke these people back up and now they feel comfortable enough to proudly walk down the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia. And so I... Sent out, I think I posted it on my personal Facebook page and I sent out some emails and I sent a few texts out to my network and just saying, you know, you guys saw this too. Tell me how you feel about it. Send me a voice memo. And I didn't know who was going to respond. <laughs> and I was just thankful for the mix of people that I got. I, I will be honest. I wish I had gotten a few more white people to respond but I was thankful for the few who had the courage to respond because I'm sure it's intimidating. Here's this black girl asking me my thoughts <laughs> on this and she's going to put it on her podcast and I don't know how she's going to edit it. So I did like, I was like, I get it. I get it. But I was really thankful of the piece, the, the feedback that I got from people. And I thought a lot of the clips were very honest and, I just sat down like, okay, how am I going to thread this together? And I thought it came to came together as like a pretty powerful episode. Yeah, I definitely thought so. And uh, I've linked to it before from my site and I've recommended it on the show. But you guys, I'm going to put it in the show notes again so that you can have a little bit more context as to what we're talking about. For me, my reaction immediately was, as you just said, you were not shocked and I was then listening to your podcast being like, oh, yeah, none of the black people are surprised. <laughs> and like all of the white people are like, oh, my gosh, you guys, how did this happen? And then I felt really dumb. <laughs> I did. You know, that's part of it. That's part of it. It's just. And I think that's OK to say, like, 
I know some people get so passionate about all of these injustices and it's like, I, it, it's hard to, um, to, to not actually. So I get it. But I do feel like sometimes the passion can come off as anger and it makes people who, like you said, like you, you might felt dumb, like after you listened to the episode, like, oh my God, I had these blinders on. But I think, you know, allowing people and giving people the space to say that and being okay with that. I still think that's, I think that's fine that that was your reaction. Like, because if you don't live that experience, then how would you know? Yeah. And that's, it's interesting because I've since joined a couple of, I I feel like my whole Facebook experience over the past several years has shifted completely from what's in my feed to these closed or secret or private groups. Mm -hmm. And um, the podcasting one is one. And there's one called Nice White Ladies. And there are a couple of groups that I'm now kind of diving into. And there's a lot of social justice talk, especially on Nice White Ladies. And there's a lot of conversation around exactly that thing you're saying, like, Some people are used to certain language and other people are used to other language. So here we all are trying to be in one room talking about the same thing with totally different experiences. And there's a lot of emotions and a lot of people feel stupid and a lot of people feel angry. And it's it's a really interesting mix. It is an interesting dynamic. And I guess for more context, I grew up in West Baltimore and I went to a, which for for even more context, most people saw during the Baltimore riots in 2015, uh, the CVS that they burned down. So that CVS, if you recall, is all over CNN. If you watched any of that footage, I I grew up like three street lights away from that CVS. So that's context. But at the same time, (laughs) I went to this predominantly white upper class uh, private school for middle and high school. And so it's, I felt like I had this duality (laughs) where I grew up in the inner city, but by going to the school I went to, I got to experience a whole different type of lifestyle that I probably never would have, or, or for the average person who grew up in my neighborhood, never did. And, (laughs) For me, it was like the face. It's so weird how like social media plays into this. But my Facebook experience was I had a ton of black and brown people who were just pissed as hell. (laughs) And then I had a a few of my white friends were like, oh, my God, I just can't believe this. And I I was okay with that because at least they were acknowledging what was happening. But the yeah. greater portion of my white friends were posting, like, I went golfing today and I was on the and, and it was just like, it didn't happen. Like, in their world, they had no idea this happened. <laughs> and so for me, sometimes it's like the silence hurts more than you saying, I was ignorant to think that this couldn't happen in 2017 in America. And so that's yeah. where I fit. It's just like, wow, your world is so different from mine. Still, (laughs) you know, not when we were 11 years old, but now we're in our 30s. But still, you can still be oblivious to what's happening in the world. That's the part that blew my mind. It's like, wow, you're just going to post a picture golfing. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, what? Like, where? What? How? And so that's always the interesting stark contrast for me is like the silence is like, wow, that speaks way more to me than people who are just really like, oh my God, I don't, I can't believe this happened. 
Yeah, I I remember having a couple of experiences over the last year or so, and you know, going into the work, going into work the next day, and no one's talking about it, and I'm wondering, <laughs> like we we you know, I work in advertising. There were maybe like three brown people in my office. <laughs> everyone else we just have the we have a choice we get to choose not to talk about this like we get to choose to not have this affect our day like we should be shutting down all of business right now it is and I think when you see people kind of push against that um you know when people say white privilege and you hear people like well what is that you know that's (laughs) that's it you get to that's it yeah that's exactly it like you can say oh that that doesn't bother me or I don't even have to right. deal with it. I don't have to look at it. But when you're when it's when you know someone, or you can think, oh, that could have been me, or that could be my brother. You know, it's harder to just let some of that stuff go by without acknowledging it. Absolutely, and I have to say, I have been using a ton of my yoga skills in order to have conversations like this because it's really, again, this is like not really about me. That's not my aim, but I am trying to get my listeners to use their yoga skills in order to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I use myself as an example of that. And it's, it's time for people who haven't yet been uncomfortable to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And just to like get in there and, and know that you can take a deep breath and have a conversation and And that's okay. And I think too, and I, you hate to be like, ask your one black friend or brown friend, but I feel like if you have that person that you can comfortably have that conversation with, like, I think you should go there. And I have one coworker. um, She always tells me I'm that person for her (laughs) at work. But, on, you know, I, I, it was some other one of the police brutality cases with take your pick, whichever one. And when after it happened, you know, she came into work and it was one of those moments again where I noticed all my coworkers are just, you know, drinking their coffee, eating their breakfast. And I, I think I connected with her so much because I remember her coming into my office and closing the door and being like, are you OK today? And I was like, wow, <laughs> somebody gets it. <laughs> and Yeah, that's just a human thing. Yeah, it would just be a human. Wow, you're the only person out of everyone in this office who just came to just say, are you okay? And it started this whole conversation. And I think she, I'm, I'm, I know she was uncomfortable doing it, but I'm just like, I, I don't even know if she knows how much I appreciated that at the time. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's tough. It is tough to kind of ask someone, a person of color, to then, like, represent all people of color. Yeah. Like, Explain the world to me because I've been not paying attention. So now it's, you know, it's someone else's job to explain it to me. And on the other hand, if I just keep on talking to the same people I'm always talking to, I'm not going to get a different perspective. So there is a balance to be struck somewhere in there. And that... <laughs> It's like a tricky dance. (laughs) Yeah. And that just has to be human to human, right? Like you might go talk to someone and be like, hey, do you want to talk about this? And they might say, no, I have other things going on. It's not my job. Or maybe they will. And they'll say, yeah, I'm really glad you asked. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. 
it, those conversations are going to be uncomfortable. And I think whoever you're having the conversation with will acknowledge that, <laughs> but they're so necessary and they're so needed. And, um, even on my podcast, um, the, this is America episode, the only white male I got to do one. I do think his statement was a little, you know, peaches and roses, but, mm. <laughs> but even afterwards he said that he appreciated the experience of even getting a chance to say his opinion, his thoughts without having to immediately go into dialogue with someone. Oh, that's interesting. But it allowed him to think about what he felt. And then he did have a conversation with his three sons about it. And he's a single dad. And so I even thought like, wow, that's something because that's four white men right there (laughs) that had that had to have a conversation about this who might not otherwise done so. I took that as a win. That was a win. Yeah, I take that as a win. <laughs> I think that whole episode that you did is a win. That was, that was. Um, I mean, it's it's a little, feels a little twisted to like talk about anything related to Charlottesville as a win, but <laughs> I right. do, but it did open up at least, I mean, even just between you and me opened up a conversation that yeah. I wasn't having with anyone else. And I really appreciate being able to have. Agreed. And it's interesting because I I even went to Charlottesville the weekend afterwards and there wasn't like some weird like, oh, let me go check out, you know, the scene. But I was scheduled to go there anyway for the first time. (laughs) And then this happens. And, you know, my mom is like, you're still going to go to Charlottesville after this. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to go. And I got the impression of the town that that truly was not who those people are. And it seems like it was a lot of outsiders who were busting or flown in for the protests. It was like a very nice city or town. I won't call it a city. It was a very nice town. Um, And I even went, we closed out the weekend. We went to Thomas Jefferson's estate. Mm. (laughs) That was quite an interesting experience, which I'm probably going to say was maybe heightened because of what had just happened in Charlottesville. And and, um, his estate is only like 10 or 15 minutes away from Charlottesville. And um, (laughs) I felt a bit bad because they have like different tours when you go to his property. And we started with the slavery tour naturally, right? And they're talking about what life was like there during slaves. And you could see it. My friend and I were like the only black people in this group of 50 people. (laughs) And you could see people finally getting the connection that slavery was terrible. Wow. And one person, this, this woman, she just couldn't face it that Thomas Jefferson was who they're saying he was. And she asked, she's like, but Thomas Jefferson was a good slave owner, right? Oh. And I, I, <laughs> like, I have a very hearty laugh. So if you listen to the Boonie Breakdown, you will hear my laugh is pretty robust. And I let out this laugh that was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what does it mean to be a good slave owner? I don't even, I can't even comprehend what that means. And the whole crowd looks at me and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't mean to do that. But it was like, the natural reaction like are you kidding me 
And so my friend looks at me like, oh my God, like you really laughed. And I felt bad. I did feel bad because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. But it was just like the natural reaction for me. But I thought that the tour guides, and I commend all the tour guides there, they did such a, 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 she did such a great response to that. And she addressed my laughter and she thoughtfully answered that woman's question. And I just thought, I'm like, wow, that was tough because I don't even know how I could have come back. Like, <laughs> but I thought she gave a very thoughtful answer. And I was, I went up to the tour guide after the tour and was just kind of like, you know, sorry about that, but you did an awesome job in saying her, you know, her laughter is honest and, mm. you know, this is what happened. We have records. You can go look at it at his, in the house, but you know, it was just, that was just an, a really, interesting experience to do right after the protests and riots in Charlottesville. I, hopefully it never happens again. So no one has to experience yeah. that again, but yeah. Well, and ho- hopefully, you know, the more conversations we keep on having the, I don't know. I bet there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, well, what is wrong with saying a good slave? Or I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot going it's on. A lot. And even the tour guide admitted that the museum has even changed their stance over the years. She said, had you come like in the early 2000s, you know, they never acknowledged the the Sally Hemmings story or the Hemmings family as truth. Yeah, that was pretty recent. I kind of yeah. remember when that happened. Yeah. And so now when you go, it's a whole Hemmings family tour. And so she was saying how like even as a museum, they've evolved in their stances. So I thought that was interesting. That I think that's great. I think, yeah, evolving <laughs> is important. Yeah. It's important. I do want to switch a little bit. Something I've talked about here on the show is like hashtag yoga so white. And mm-hmm. I know that you have mentioned that you recently got into back into meditating and you're maybe getting back into yoga. I'm curious to hear about your yoga experience. And again, if it, if you're not experiencing it particularly through a racial lens, then I don't, you don't have to put it through that lens, but I, I am only imagining that everything kind of goes through that lens, but you tell me. Yeah. Um, I will say, okay, first the, the, the wellness space in general is so fascinating to me. I think I was just recently talking with someone about self-care and how that's like the hot button word and and how it's been a bit dumbed down. But I started yoga like a few years ago and I, I loved it. I liked how I felt afterwards. It was just such a great like hour if or two hours if I would go twice a week to just slow down and stop. But one day we we went to, I went to a different um, yoga studio and this one was more in the suburbs, but it was closer to my house and it had a more convenient schedule. And that's when I started to notice that yoga so white, as you said. (laughs) And the original class I was going to was more of a community class, so... I felt because it had the cheaper price point, it was just a more diverse class. And when I changed the yoga studios, I noticed that this one, it was pretty much all white women, like two white men and myself. 
And sometimes the per- the instructor was she was biracial. So that's the first time I just I just noticed. I think as a minority, you always pick up when you're the only minority in a room. Yeah, it's just habit. So that's when I started to notice. But I don't think I felt I didn't feel uncomfortable or out of place. But I definitely noticed like after class or before yeah. class, I wouldn't um, be involved in the, the conversations with the other attendees. So it was just little things like that I noticed, but I don't think it prohibited my practice. Yeah. And, you know, I realize even as, as I'm saying that, it's a really narrow point of view, just because my experience has been really vanilla in terms mm-hmm. of racial diversity doesn't mean that everyone's is even as I'm saying yoga so white I think it's even saying that is a little narrow-minded because just because the representation in media happens to be predominantly skinny white women that has really no reflection on the actual population of people who are practicing yeah and it's I don't know if you know the girl on which inspired me to kind of get back into yoga. I'm trying to think of her name, Jess, but she's the plus size black yoga girl. Jessamine Stanley. Yes. Oh, I love her. And so that's the thing. It was nice to see one who, someone who had a shape who, you know, looks like me. It was like, all right, you can do this. Like go back. And I was trying to think like when you had originally sent over what we were going to talk about. And I was trying to think was like, was there a reason why I stopped doing it the first time and I really couldn't pinpoint it but I will say like I picked back up on well I started meditating and so then that's inspired me to get back into the practice doing the yoga practice and I will say this time I actively sought out a black instructor Mm. and I don't know I don't know why that was like my thing like and I don't know if it's because I've been following the Jess girl and I'm like oh I just love her so much that to make the transition back into the practice, that would make me comfortable? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think it's natural to feel comfortable around people that look like they might share your experience. I mean, that seems like a normal thing to want to do. I think it's, and here's where you can it's find incumbent Andrea upon and the, Booney breakdown. the people in the industry who do represent the quote-unquote mainstream to put a little bit more effort into making sure a variety of different kind of people are represented so that more people can come to the practice. Yeah. Because if, yeah, if different people are looking for someone that looks like them or is going to understand them, then all right, let's, let's start promoting and pulling people from everywhere to kind of, I don't want to say infiltrate. I don't really know the right word, but to make whatever the mainstream publications are calling normal to make that more diverse. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you follow, um, if you've heard of it's, um, speaking of the wellness space, it's a podcast called black girl and own. Yeah. And, um, I think Lauren and, um, Dion are really great. And they had on their one episode, Chelsea loves yoga. And she's another, and I think maybe that's just the imagery that I've been seeing on my Instagram because I started following all these black yogis. But now I'm like, oh yeah, I want a, I want a black instructor. So I think that's where it came from. Just I just saw the images and it's like, all right, that's how I'm going to ease back into this. I'm going to pause here 
give a little station ID. If you're not already subscribed, you can do so on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Please do rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you do that kind of thing, because that would be nice. And you can always find back episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r and find us on Instagram if you so choose. And here's where you can find the Boonie Breakdown. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook, the Boonie Breakdown. On Twitter, I'm just Boonie Breakdown, uh, yay Twitter and their character limits. Um, also, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. And if you don't remember any of that, you can just find all of that information on theboonybreakdown.com. We're going to pause our conversation here, say thank you so much to Andrea for taking the time to talk to us. There's enough here going on in this conversation that we're actually splitting this into two episodes. So next week, we'll be talking more about yoga and meditation and tools for the real world. But in the meantime, you know what's coming, right? Keep breathing and live to fight another day.